0: Hey, good Saturday afternoon. It's Joey Alfieri on Saturday Sports on TSN 690 with you till 1 o'clock. We will be talking Montreal Canadiens in uh, about 30 minutes' time with the Montreal Gazette's Andrew Berkshire. But right now, it's a pleasure to welcome to the show our football insider, a man who had been joining us from London for a while, but he's back in Hawaii, Jeff Reinbold. Jeff, what's going on? How are you?
1: I'm doing good, man. How are you guys?
0: Doing fantastic. We're doing really, really well, and uh, it's a little cold. Uh, but that's not something that you need to worry about or concern yourself about because uh, you only come to Canada in the summer months for the most part. Well, until November, yeah, actually, for the most part.
1: Uh, I am I am sitting with a cup of coffee looking at the palm trees right now, down to the, air, down to the ocean, so um, no snow in my future anytime summer. Yeah, show off.
0: Uh, All right, Jeff, thanks for for jumping on, man. I appreciate it. So let's start with the Carson Wentz trade. You came on the last time we spoke uh, was a couple (laughs) weeks ago on the morning show, and you called it. From then, you said, hey, listen, I think Carson Wentz, the perfect fit is Indianapolis. That's where he wound up. He's back reunited with Frank Reich, who was his offensive coordinator uh, back in Philadelphia when the Eagles won the Super Bowl. And Carson Wentz, people forget, I know Carson Wentz wasn't the quarterback when they host, they hoisted the Lombardi Trophy, but before he tore his ACL, Jeff, he was a legit MVP candidate that season. So, do you think that Frank Wright can get Carson Wentz back on track?
1: Well, I think so, but you know this is going to be an interesting trade because everybody thought when Matthew Stafford went to uh, went to Los Angeles in the trade for Jared Goff and first rounders, it was going to be like I mean, this was going to cost a boatload, and really. Uh, Chris Ballard, the GM in Indianapolis, pulled off, I think, a heist because the way this contract works, uh, when, to get, in order for the Eagles to get a first-rounder back, it, it, he's going to either have to play 75% of the snaps at, at quarterback next year or 70% in the in Colts go to the, the playoffs. So when you look at that for a second-round pick, you know, you're talking about, like you say, Joey, this guy was a guy that – Everybody was talking about as a potential MVP. He had all the all the attributes you look for: big arm, you know, great leadership, tough, you know, guy that can move around, extend plays with his feet. And then it just kind of all the wheels fell off in Philadelphia. I think there was more about what was going on around him than was going on actually with him. You know, the offensive line was in tatters. That one year, uh, you know, didn't even have. I mean, they're getting guys off the street to play receiver. Uh, so he's been through some adversity and I think uh, going back with Frank Reich, as you said, is really going to help him. And he's got a great offensive line, maybe the best offensive line in football in front of him. He's got Taylor, a, a young running back out of Wisconsin is an outstanding player and P.Y. Hilton and, you know, they've got some talent around him. So I think this is a great move for Carson Wentz and certainly a good move for Indianapolis.
0: Yeah, Jeff. Sorry, your connection is just cutting in and out a little bit. I, we got the gist of what you were saying, though. But
1: uh,
0: is it how much of this is physical when you know when you want to rebuild Carson Wentz, and how much of it in your mind is mental? And as a coach, I'm sure you've been in that position before, where you're trying to coach up somebody who who is just shattered, their confidence is just broken, and, and how difficult is that to to rebuild that?
1: Well, it's a step. Step by step process. I mean, it's going to begin with the first day he comes to the facility again, making him feel like he's wanted, making him feel like he's the guy. Because I think what with what started to transpire in Philadelphia last year when they took Jalen Hurts with the second round pick, that opened up, you know, some conjecture. And you know how the media is: as soon as there's an opportunity to get you get a controversy growing, especially about a quarterback controversy. controversy. They're going to jump in with both feet. And that, and then his performance started to wane, and then he was getting sacked too much and hit too much. And then his relationship with Doug Peterson, the head coach, kind of soured. I just think it's a, a change is going to be as good as anything for him. And to get him out of Philadelphia, get him into Indianapolis where he's wanted, where he knows Frank Reich. Uh, you know, again, he's going to have Scott Milanovic as his quarterback coach. He's going to have Mark Spree uh, as his offensive coordinator. He's going to have quarterback-friendly guys around him, and I think that's really, really key.
0: He's Jeff Reinbold joining us on Saturday Sports on TSN 690 with Joey Alfieri and John Still. I'm going to bring on John in just a second here, Jeff. But um, in Looking at Philadelphia now, and they've got the sixth overall pick, you mentioned Jalen Hurts, and listen, there were times – where I like Jalen Hurts. And then there's other times where you can tell he's very raw as a quarterback and as a passer. So I'm assuming they'll take a quarterback if they fall in love with whoever's at six or if there's a trade that they see fit, you know, where they can move up into the top five. But if they go into the season with Jalen Hurts, can they win that way?
1: I don't think they can win right now that way. Uh, now, can you're talking about a week. NFC East division, right? And so you're going to have a chance, but they've got other issues. You know, they they released the Sean Jackson because they're trying to keep clear space. They're an yeah. old football team right now in Philadelphia, and they need to get younger. They need to get more dynamic. They need more playmakers, and they need to get healthy. You know, um, there's a lot of issues at play in Philadelphia when we start talking about being able to be a championship-level team. I just don't see Hurts right now as consistent at, at that position, and at such a critical position,
0: he's kind of a wild guy. Yeah, we lost Jeff. We're losing you. We, we, you're cutting out, Jeff. Oh. I don't. We we kind of lost the connection there. Can you hear us?
1: Yeah, I can hear you guys. Okay. You know
0: yeah, me? you're you're breaking up a little bit. I don't know if we have a bad connection or not, uh, or if I don't can I, wa- Let
1: me. See, is, don't, let me move to another spot and see if that helps you.
0: Yeah, just see, maybe if you can move around. But, but I, I get what you're saying with Hurts. With and look, I think there's no doubt, Jeff, that the offense looked better with Jalen Hurts than it did with Carson Wentz last season. Now, whether Jalen Hurts is a finished product or not, I don't think that's up for debate. But even if he was a finished product, and listen, the quarterback, you know as well as I do, can mask a lot of warts, Jeff. But I don't think mm-hmm. that the pieces around him Are ready to win either. Like I don't think there's enough talent there. This is a team that got old in a hurry, and I think their windows closed.
1: I agree. I I agree exactly. And the defense is old. Has has gotten older since the Super Bowl. You've lost two tackles. Uh, Your offensive line has. You know, Kelsey's at the end of it as a center, and you know you look and there's just no dynamic playmakers outside. They haven't drafted well and you you know they went out and got Deshaun uh, DeSean Jackson and brought him back to try and inject some juice into the offense and that didn't work so they've cut him now they've got to get rid of they got to offload a lot of big salaries you know the salary cap's going to come down to a floor of 180 million next year so what we've seen in the CFL with contracts being renegotiated and all the same thing's going to happen in the NFL because the salary cap is based on their revenues and obviously with no fans in the stands their revenues are down also so Philadelphia's got a like I think a long rebuild ahead of them.
2: John? Yeah, Jeff, uh since you uh successfully predicted the uh Carson Wentz trade destination, uh, I got to pay some bills here. So uh where's Deshaun Watson going? <laughs> I I'm a, I'm I really think
1: it's going to be Texas. He's going to stay with the Texans unless they can get a absolute boatload him now there are teams I'll tell you this I know this for a fact there are teams that are loading up to try and get to that point Denver I know if he becomes Denver if he gets on the market will make a run at him you know they feel like they've got a you know they've got a now or never situation they've got an aging defense and they've got some real good players on offense that they think the quarterback could be the difference you look at Carolina and they're starting to clear the decks cap space. Saying okay, we're going to make a run at Deshaun Watson. I would not be surprised if, if um, you know you don't see a number of clubs, you know, certainly inquire about him. But I think Denver and Carolina, in particular, are two that would really, really like to have him. And I would not be surprised if you don't see uh, Urban Meyer in Jacksonville make a run at him because they have the draft capital. They could give that first round pick up. Trevor Lawrence could be the long term answer. I think in in For the Texans and build around Trevor Lawrence, you get a guy out of your building that's not happy about being there, and Deshaun Watson, and you've got a team in Jacksonville that has both money and draft picks that you know make him a guy that you'd say could happen.
0: Do you? Okay. Well, would you trade the first overall pick for Watson? If you were Jacksonville, because I think the one thing that, listen, there's no denying that, that Watson's a great quarterback, Jeff. Uh, he's, you know, one of the best in the league right now. But, but the first overall pick, although it's risky because you you've never seen Trevor Lawrence play a snap of pro football, you do have that cost certainty in that rookie contract. But I know that salary isn't a problem for Jacksonville. They've got a boatload of cap space. So w- if you were Jacksonville, would you give up that first pick?
1: I would because I'm going to tell you something. Look historically. Look at the you know, look at the first round quarterback drafts and for <clears throat> for every Josh Allen, there's a Josh Rosen. And that's the problem with quarterbacks in the first round. They're all overvalued. Now, Trevor Lawrence I think is going to be a fine pro, but you've got a twenty five year old guy in Deshaun Watson who's been there, done that, understands the pro game, is one of the top five dynamic quarterbacks in the national football league and he brings you star value right away i think it makes complete sense for both franchises because if you look at the teams as crazy as this sounds jacksonville's closer to being being good than the texans are and so uh, i really think you know with uh chart and you know they've got a great young running back some good offensive linemen i think jacksonville is not that far away and certainly Deshaun watson would elevate that team look what he did with the texans i mean he's by his own just almost sheer will got him into the playoffs you know two years ago and had a chance to beat kansas city
0: is jeff reinbold joining us in saturday sports on tsn 690 how much does jj watt have left in the tank
1: well, I'm going to tell you guys, he's got enough that a lot of people are interested in him. You know, I think there are three main teams that you would say this would be a good, good marriage. Green Bay, obviously, because he's a Wisconsin kid, he's, you know, he's a legend in Wisconsin from his time at, uh, with the Badgers. He would give them an inside pass rusher that they need so desperately. When you looked at When you looked at Green Bay last year, you know, they had the the two Smith brothers, or I call them Smith brothers, not brothers, (laughs) but the two Smiths on the edge were really, really good pass rushers, but they had absolutely nothing inside. He could go sink down in there and play in a rotation. I think people people got to understand he's going to have to be a rotational player. He can't be a 60-player snap. A sixty snap a game guy. He's got to go to some place where he can roll through. I think Buffalo makes a lot of sense. They want guys that love football. They want guys that you know are effort guys. He's tailor made for what they what they need. He would give them a bump, I think, and they need a bump right now in terms of their outside pass rush. Epenesa is not you know he's getting better, but he's not there yet. And uh, you know again, I just really feel like that would be one that, that makes a ton of sense to me too. And you know but there're going to be a lot of people they're going to go after him because people like Tennessee is another team that has is zero pass rushers and you know they've learned the hard way. You look at the money that they spent for Davian Clowney got absolutely nothing back for him. I mean teams are going to start to get more uh, frugal I guess is the term now as the salary cap numbers shrink on free agents because every free agent's overpriced.
0: What's on the docket today in uh, Hawaii?
1: I am going to the water as soon as we are done, my man. I don't. I can oh, really? whether I'm going to snorkel or whether I'm going to surf. One of the two. Oh yeah. Maybe.
2: Maybe both, Joe. Maybe yeah, both. yeah,
0: <laughs> yeah. If I if I don't limit water- yourself,
2: Jeff. Don't limit yourself. If, live your yeah. life.
0: If I went to the water right now, Jeff, uh, I, I don't know how long I'd last out there because uh, it's frozen you solid. Probably-
1: I was going to say you probably have to cut a hole to get in it. (laughs) Yeah,
0: Yeah, the uh, the Lachine Canal does not look so friendly to me right now, but uh, thanks for waking up early uh, for us. We appreciate it, and uh, let's talk again real soon, okay?
1: All right, my guys. Thank you so much.
0: That's Jeff Reinbold. He's a special teams coordinator with the Hamilton Tiger Cats right now. He's got 40 years of coaching experience at the pro and college ranks. He's also uh, an NFL analyst for Sky Sports over in the UK. That's uh, John Still territory. Uh, Jeff Reinbold is uh, Mr. Worldwide. He's big everywhere. And uh, we really appreciate him joining us on the program. And look, it's going to be interesting. He brought up some some interesting things there, right, with Deshaun Watson, uh, John. And I don't know. I, I, I still... I don't see how the Texans can repair the damage, but at the same time, they're in a little bit of a difficult spot because he has a no-trade clause, which is pretty rare in football, but it's not like you can shop him around and get the best offer because he's got final say no matter where he ends up.
2: Yeah, and um, I agree with with Jeff where the Stafford-Goff deal, we felt like it was going to set the market, but. For for Carson Wentz, but I feel like Carson Wentz, all of the noise the last two years in Philadelphia about not just the stuff on the field where he sunk to depths I don't think a lot of people thought that he was going to when he was so successful. It's the, the off-field stuff as well, apparently not getting along with teammates and uh, acting kind of diva-ish, uh, something I spoke about yesterday. Um, but I'm very curious to see... Um, because I think that he is gone. I think that there's only maybe two or three teams like the Jets, like the Dolphins, maybe I guess. I don't know if I feel the same way as Jeff about the uh, the Jaguars, but to me there's a very limited amount of destinations based purely on the draft capital. People are going to be willing to give up for him. But to me, the most interesting thing was I'm I'm all in on the J.J. Watt train, man. I got to see where J.J. Watt is going to end up. I think he's going to change uh, change uh, a team like Buffalo from being a team that cannot get any kind of a pass rush, where just him being able to potentially even draw a double team could really open things up for either them or Green Bay. So I'm very interested to see what happens with J.J. Watt.
0: Yeah, I agree with Jeff on the sense that, listen, I think J.J. Watt is still can still be effective, but got to be used in the right situation. That back concerns me, and it worries me. And I don't think he's going to get any type of long term deal because uh, he is in his in his early thirties. Uh, but at the same time, he can't be your one A pass rusher. I think he can be a nice complimentary piece, a very good you know good player who can still get after the quarterback and make some noise inside if you want. Uh, but it's it's just that back kind of worries me a little bit but we'll see where they end up uh always nice to to have a lot of headlines and, and big storylines uh with the nfl but just moments ago uh, there was a player in the nhl put on waivers and it shocked me i'm curious to see if he's gonna get picked up we'll tell you who that is on saturday sports on tsn 690 Welcome back to Saturday Sports on TSN 690. I'm Joey Alfieri with John Still. We're with you till 1 o'clock. We'll be talking hockey and uh, Canadian specifically with Andrew Berkshire of the Montreal Gazette at 1235, so you don't want to miss that. A reminder that uh, you can find Saturday Sports, the entire show, commercial-free on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, SoundCloud, or wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, just search Saturday Sports on TSN 690 in uh, your uh, podcast search engines or whatever you want to call it Uh, but they are available for download right after the show and uh mentioned there was uh there's a player who just went on waivers today and the name is kind of shocking the contract on waivers is kind of shocking as well we will get to that in just a second but there's an outdoor game in lake tahoe today and tomorrow and uh both games are on nbc and today it is the colorado avalanche and vegas golden knights the first time that vegas is going to participate in an outdoor game and also tomorrow you have the bruins and flyers and it seems like those two teams have played a million outdoor games so both going to be played uh right there in lake tahoe it's actually for the first time the rink is going to be on the on the lakefront on the 18th fairway of the golf course at edgewood tahoe resort and uh that's where the american century championship has been played every year since 1990 and so basically if you haven't seen any clips and you're just going to tune into the game today like you have the backdrop is insane like there's mountains everywhere and i hope that the players on the ice don't get caught admiring the mountains because you're gonna leave yourself open to uh a significant hit or two. Uh, John, still, I have a little bit of trivia for you. Going to be putting you on the spot oh, here. Oh, geez. So basically, i uh, looking at it right now. So the Flyers, Claude Giroux and Jacob Voracek have both scored two goals, and so is Jonathan Tayser. There's a bunch of guys, but two guys that are playing this weekend outdoors have scored two goals uh, in, uh, in outdoor games in their careers. There's two players who have scored more than two goals. The all-time leaders in outdoor goals in NHL history. One is Eric Fair. He has three goals in three games. I want to know which current Montreal Canadian is also tied at the top of the list for most goals
2: outdoors in their career. Three goals in two games. Ooh, you know I'm going to go with? Because because uh, the NHL's dumb and they insist on playing games out in the middle of nowhere uh, <laughs> in the middle of the uh, summertime. Yes. I'm going to go with uh, Tyler Toffoli. Well done. Three goals in two
0: outdoor games. Thank you. Thank you, uh, thank you. But, but all three goals came in one game last year, uh, the stadium series game that was L.A. against Colorado last February, he scored a hat trick. He, he, ca- he finished off the hat trick with an empty netter, and I think he scored all three goals for the Kings in that game. So Tyler Toffoli and Eric Fair are the all-time leaders Eric in Fair. outdoor goals. Yeah, Eric Fair. I don't Fair remember played. the Capitals playing all that much outdoors. Yeah, but wasn't he a penguin at one point? Or oh, No, he was. No, no. He, was a,
2: he was a penguin at one point, but I don't know. Like, Interesting. Cause
0: didn't was he the one who hit Sidney Crosby? No, I don't think he was a Penguin. I think he was. He's the one who hit Sidney Crosby in the outdoor game when Crosby ended up
2: getting missed a bunch of time with a concussion. Oh, that's right. That is right. Uh, but I think he no. He did play for the Penguins at one point. He did right. He definitely. He's a uh, former first round pick. I he remember took, he was uh, a big scorer in junior. Yeah, he took the waiver wire life. Let's just say that later on in his career. So Okay, I just be, I'm looking it up now. Yeah, he's he, right. So he played, many teams.
0: Yeah, he played for Washington on oh, wow. two there's different there's not that many occasions. teams at
2: all. There's just the Capitals, Penguins, and... Leafs, Sharks, and Wild, but the Sharks and Wild were uh, one-year flings. The Leafs, I totally don't remember him with the
0: I don't remember that remember. either, but it was five games. That's probably <laughs> why you don't remember it. So Tyler Toffoli, no player in NHL history, has scored more goals outdoors than Tyler Toffoli. He's tied with Eric Feer. Uh The other thing I wanted to mention very quickly, Adam Henrique has just been placed on waivers. Uh, he is with the Anaheim Ducks right now. He's in the second year of a five-year, $29.125 million deal. It comes with a cap hit of $5.825 million per season. Uh, he has got He's coming off a season in which he scored. He didn't pick up many points. Um, looking at it now, he had 43 points in 71 games last year with Anaheim, but he did score 26 goals. So I mean he was you know he was flirting with a thirty goal season had they played eighty two games he would have fallen he was
2: on pace to fall just short there what a weird week think- for the yeah. Anaheim Ducks centerman I mean they they acknowledge that they're not going to ask Ryan Getzlaf to move his no move trade clause yeah. and then on top of that they decide to put a guy on waivers who they just signed to a very long term extension very very yeah. strange. I wonder if they'll
0: find a taker there. I don't think you'll find a taker on waivers. I think you're going to have to. It's one of those situations where you'll have to eat some, you know, eat some of that contract. Uh, But, yeah, Adam Henrique, 26 goals last year, almost $6 million cap hit. And he's got uh, this year and three more years left on his deal. So uh, I don't think he's going to get claimed. But uh, weirder things have happened in the NHL. I just I don't know. If there's a team who's not spending money that would be interested in spending money on him, but he's 31 and there's just there's so much term left on that deal Uh, and he's got three goals and one assist this season. I just I don't know. I don't know that that's going to happen for the Anaheim Ducks. Maybe they get a little bit of cap relief by putting him on the taxi squad, but I think it's going to have to be a trade where they eat some money. Uh, but uh, Adam Henrique finds himself on waivers here this afternoon. That transaction was made just afternoon. How should we feel about the way Jonathan Drouin is playing right now? How much has his overall game improved? The Gazette's Andrew Berkshire will tell us. This is Saturday Sports. Joey Alfieri on TSN N six ninety.
2: It's hung up along the boards. Canucks get it back, given away, though, by uh, the Canucks. And Anderson pokes it ahead and a break. Drouette, in all the low to the backhand. He scores! What a maneuver. What a finish by Drouette. And it's 4-2 Montreal.
0: 3, 2, 1. Welcome back. It's Saturday Sports on TSN 690. I'm Joey Alfieri uh, with you till 1 o'clock with John Still. And uh, we do have Montreal Canadiens hockey finally back tonight on TSN 690. Tonight and tomorrow as the Canadians will take on the Leafs tonight since tomorrow night. And we have coverage beginning at 5 o'clock to talk about that. And Jonathan Drouin, that's the only goal he scored in 2021. But is he better? Is he a better player? Uh, We'll break that down with Andrew Berkshire of the Montreal Gazette, who wrote this week, uh, by the numbers, Canadians Drouin hit stride on both sides of the puck. You can find that at MontrealGazette.com.
3: Andrew, what's going on, man? How are you? Not much. Just getting the kids packed in the car to go skating. Oh,
0: skating. How old uh, are the kids?
3: Well, the youngest is only about 10 months, and the oldest is three. So the youngest is going to go in a stroller, getting pushed okay. around by his mom. But
0: uh,
3: the, the oldest gets to, gets to learn. He started last weekend.
0: Do you have any, uh, like, is there uh, flashes of uh, Connor McDavid out on the ice there in the,
3: uh, oh, yeah. in the Berkshire sure. family? You know, I'd say more like uh, Brendan Gallagher, maybe, because, you know, he okay. kept on falling and getting right back up. <laughs> hey, there's nothing wrong too. with that
0: there's nothing wrong with that <laughs> yeah that's my uh that's how i skate i'm uh usually on my hands and knees it's a little my my, my style resembles like yasperi caught a little bit like rookie season um so yeah so they're uh, they're a leg up on me i'm sure uh but with Droy in particular i wanted to just touch on on the article you wrote in a little bit more um,
3: <laughs> does he want to come on with us he's he's trying to he, he always wants to get on the radio. He wants to That's talk as long as I'm
0: on the phone. It's all good, man. So with drew <laughs> in particular, I, I thought um, the, the insight you brought to the to the defensive part of this game and, and the reduced high danger chances was, was very interesting when he's on the ice. So how much better is he defensively this season than he
3: was a year ago? It's all about mental mistakes, right? And Drouin, he he's not a guy that doesn't try defensively. I think he kind of gets that reputation from people who – just see bad things happening and assume that it's a player not giving their all. And it's just his instincts defensively are not great. He doesn't necessarily go to the right areas. He doesn't respond in dynamic situations the way that you want a top end defensive player to respond. So it's like, it's one of those things where you can coach systems as much as you want, but you can't create dynamic situations in practice that are as fast as game speed. It's just not possible. So, when those situations happen, oftentimes he just bites the wrong way or reacts poorly and he gets caught. And this year he hasn't really been doing that. Now, part of the reason for that is because obviously with, on his line, he's the tertiary forward in terms of defensive situations, right? Mm-hmm. The other two guys are carrying the bag for the most part, but he's been really good. Like he just isn't making those panic plays that you are kind of accustomed to seeing Jonathan Duran uh, make. He's not you know, bagging it back to the bench, causing shorthanded chance or short to, uh, two-on-ones, uh, odd man rushes. He's doing all the little things that add up at the end of the day. And yes, that line still is not as big of a of a difference maker in terms of the high danger chances as they are in other areas of the ice. And I think with Jonathan Druin, you're never going to see him be like the top end guy at defending the net front. And you're never going to see him be like a net front guy that creates those chances either. He's a guy who is a perimeter player who gets the puck to the high slot for shooters to shoot. And that's not necessarily a bad thing. I think people see the words perimeter player and think that's awful. But you need some perimeter players to get the puck into the interior. And he is that. He's one of the best on the Canadians at doing that. So it's just, he's finally insulated with the players he needs to play with to be successful and it's been a revelation so far this season.
0: And, and Andrew, I think it's it, a lot of it is expectation. And the, I mean, the Canadians did it to themselves too. Like, yes. you know, giving up Sergachev was a big deal. Uh, they thought, you know, he came in, they they mentioned right off the hop before even seeing him play at all. Before training camp, they said, this guy has a chance to be a center and he was supposed to be a star. The draft status, you know what I mean? Like, it's just everything pointed to this guy having superstar potential. And I think that that's where a lot of the you know, that hate, that quote-unquote hate, the haters are out for Jonathan Jeroy, just because he hasn't necessarily hit the ceiling that kind of we created for him. He hasn't lived up to the hype. But I, I think he's still – he's off to a nice start. This is a pretty good season. And if he's a 50- to 60-point player, it's lower than I thought he his ceiling would be. But I've got plenty of room for a guy like that on my team, even in my top six.
3: Yeah, absolutely. And I think people conflate puck skills with – like talent for producing points, right? Right. And Jonathan Druin is like top one percent in the entire league in puck skills. He's just a fabulous stick handler. He's going to make an entry when he's challenged. He's gonna make people look foolish if he has a chance to make a big deke. He he has that stuff and that flash makes people think, oh, this guy's gonna score a point a game. Well there's a lot of other things that go into it that Druin doesn't necessarily have. You know, part of it's a goal scorer's instinct, part of it is just that like drive to the net. That you kind of have to have in today's game, and it's not a knock on him. Every player has their faults, but like you said, a fifty-ish point player is what he's already been for the Canadians in seasons where he's been, uh, you know, kind of thrown to the wolves and criticized. So I, I think if he can hit even higher than that going forward with uh, a lineup this deep, that's fantastic for the Canadians, and he's not overpaid. You know, he he is paid about appropriately for the production that he puts up, and. He's a very important part of the team because he has a unique skill set on the roster.
0: He's Andrew Berkshire of the Montreal Gazette. Kind enough to join us on Saturday Sports on TSN 690. So I think to me, he's had a good season. Part of the frustration for me, I, I just I wish he'd shoot the puck a little bit more because I for do sure. think he, ha- he has a sneaky good shot, but you need to mix it up. You need to change things up. And the other thing is um, I, I'm kind of struggling with where to place him on the power. Like there's no doubt you talked about the puck skills and he should be on that first power play unit. I just, I don't know where they can put him to maximize his talents. Cause I don't know that he's a threat to shoot from the point. Um, I, I don't know that I love him there.
3: Yeah. It's one of those things where you almost have to talk to him and get him to learn that he has to switch things up a little bit. Like he's such a good puck distributor, but in this league at the highest levels, if you're always gonna pass, everyone's gonna bite on your pass, right? So like you have to realize that if people are always playing your pass, take some shots. And Druid has, like you said, a sneaky good shot. I think he can play the half wall. He may not have the battle level to win some of the battles on like clearing attempts on the wall, so you might lose out in that in that uh, area. But I think if he trusts his shot a little bit more, he can play that. Now look, the question is like, is he the top guy on that spot for the Canadians, or is he more of a second wave guy? I think that's up to Jonathan Durin to prove because he has a history of play, uh, power play success. He just has to, you know, the, the puck stops with him in, right. in a certain respect. And the power play needs something. You know, we saw it was uh, dynamite to start the year, but it's back to its usual over the last little while here. They need a spark. I think he's well-situated to be that spark. And, you know, I'm talking about how great he's been so far this year. The point production hasn't been fantastic. It's all the underlying numbers, which is kind of the opposite of what Drewin usually does to start a year. So it, it's interesting to see when that point production is going to start to come because it's going to happen the way he's playing. So maybe we're just going to be in a situation where the power play scoring all of a sudden bursts out of what seems like nowhere, but the good uh, plays that have created that situation have already happened.
0: I'll leave you with this one, Andrew. How do you think this all plays out? It looks like Byron's back in the lineup uh, for Perry tonight. Thomas Tatar is back in. He's playing with Kotkaniemi uh, and Armia on that third line. How do you think this plays out for Byron and Tatar between now and the end of the year?
3: Well, I, I don't think Byron's going anywhere. Uh, I think he made it very clear he doesn't want to. I think his contract, Like I really like Paul Byron as a player, but his contract does make him a hard player to move with the term left, wrong side of 30, He's a speedy player, but, you know, everything in his skill set fades quickly uh, as, as players age. He's not like a, a big-time possession driver, per se. He's just one of those guys that he fits on a team really well because there's always going to be an opportunity to create a breakaway with Paul Byron, right? It, it's just the plays that you need to break a game from your, the bottom end of your lineup, he can provide, and he's a good penalty killer on top of it. So he brings value. I just don't know if it's you know three million dollars of value value for multiple years left. And Tatar, I would be very shocked if they move him, just because I think they're going for it. I think they know they only have a limited amount of time with you know Petrie, Price, and Weber both playing or all playing well, so they have to go for it. But I, I don't see it as for Tatar going forward because it's going to be more expensive. Getting older, it's one of those situations where it's so hard to make the decision to let go of Tatar as an unrestricted free agent and essentially get just the remainder of the season in the playoffs for him. But you have to make those tough decisions and they have Caulfield coming in. So you have a, a, maybe not perfectly ready, but an able replacement.
0: Enjoy the time at the rink with the family right? and apologize to the kids that I, uh, that I, I held you up. I tied you up there for a
3: bit. I will. I'll talk to you soon. That's
0: Andrew Berkshire of the Montreal Gazette. His uh, most recent his column is By the Numbers, Canadians Drew a Hit Stride on both sides of the puck. You can find that on the Montreal Gazette website. This is Saturday Sports on TSN 690 with Joey Alfieri and John Still with you for a few more minutes. There's still plenty of time to talk hockey and talk soccer. Uh, John, want to give you a scoreboard update. I didn't hear your update, so I don't know if you mentioned this. But have you seen the score of the Bournemouth game? Uh, yeah, I saw that they uh, they had lost. They lost 2-1. to one. Yeah. So I wonder if that cranks up the heat on uh, naming a new manager, <laughs> Terry Henry. Uh, we'll get to our uh, Saturday sports question of the day. We'll uh, check out the results. Uh, will Terry Henry be the head coach of CF Montreal when training camp opens on March the 8th? John says yes, I say no. Uh, we'll see uh, what the audience thinks, uh, and we will tee up tonight's game between the Canadiens and the Maple Leafs. Welcome back Saturday Sports on TSN 690. Joey Alfieri, John, still with you till 1 o'clock. And uh, we've, got some, uh, we've got a lot of hockey this weekend. And we had a lot of hockey last night as well as the Laval Rocket beat the Binghamton Senators or Belleville Senators, sorry, for the 44th time this season. Uh, but I'm, uh, I'm really enjoying watching and listening to the Laval Rocket games. And uh, I've actually seen quite a bit of AHL hockey, so it was nice to see a lot of the young ones uh, contribute. Uh, Johnny Fairbrother, Johnny Fairbrother, excuse me, uh, had the. We have the assist on the first goal, the Ryan Palin goal, first AHL shift for a 20-year-old defenseman, and he ended up picking up a primary assist. I thought that was encouraging. Uh, so we will have a couple more Laval Rocket games for you next week on TSN 690 as well. And tonight, uh, the Montreal Canadiens and the uh, Toronto Maple Leafs coverage beginning at 5 with the Podium mini Montreal pregame show with uh, Mitch Gallo and Sean Campbell. We'll have Dan and Sergio on the broadcast and uh, John still is going to be around for all of it, plus the Del Mar postgame show. Uh, so it should be a lot of fun. I want to give a shout out to a Next Level Hockey Player Development Facility on the ice. They've got synthetic ice as well. It's a strength and conditioning center. They have private and semi-private uh, lessons and training sessions. Uh, you can focus on the specific details of your game, shooting, stick handling, hockey IQ. They're at 7,500. Rue Bombardier in Anjou. It's right in front of the Costco uh, in Anjou. You can give them a call, 514-476-2471. They, they work with all levels. They also work with uh, some pro players. And uh, I'm planning on going there working on my game because uh, you never know when you're going to get called up to the taxi squad. I want to revisit our poll question of the day. And uh, John Still and I are on opposite ends of this debate. Uh, so uh, so I appreciate that. That's always fun. Uh, will Terry Henry be the head coach of CF Montreal when training camp opens on March 8th? I say no. John Still says yes. 75.6% of you agree with me and 24.4% of you agree with John Still. Uh, I don't necessarily take that as a slight to you, John, uh, but you're definitely being bold uh, with this prediction just because Bournemouth, as we mentioned, they lost today and it looks like they're making they're trying to make a splash here. Uh, with uh with a name coach and it looks like Terry Henry might be at the top of the list there
2: well i mean uh maybe they should uh, make a splash by bringing in some more players onto the pitch because they are uh they are notoriously tight with the wallet um but uh yeah i am not i'm not surprised i kind of expected people uh People in the city are very doom and groom, doom and gloom. They're very, uh, they're always very worried. Uh, the Canadians are doing quite well. Uh, they play poorly for a few games. All of a sudden, the sky is falling. Uh, a week later, Josh Anderson is making Team Canada. You know, there's all kinds of stuff. It's always happening in this city. It is. And look, I'm really, I'm curious to see how it plays out. I, I think he's gone,
0: and. I don't think it's as much of a foregone conclusion as everybody thinks with Wilfred Nancy taking over. But I do think that Nancy is the only one on the staff in the organization that I'm comfortable saying, yeah, this guy can do the job if Terry already takes off. Like, I'll say that. But I do think that they may look at a couple of outside hires. Now, the problem is, you know, over in Europe. They're very much, you know, they're right in the middle of their season. So, you know, what kind of coaches are going to be available and, and who are you going to get that's comfortable enough uh, to jump into MLS with three weeks before training camp or two weeks before training camp? Um, and then the other thing is, is, you know, you're you're a couple of weeks away from the MLS season starting. You're not going to be able to interview somebody on another staff. You're going to have to find somebody who was jettisoned uh, at some point during the off season or in the last couple of years. So. I, I do think all signs point to to will Nancy taking over but I do think they're gonna do their due diligence they're going to go through an interview process but man the timing could not be worse uh, John it was fun maybe we'll have an answer to this you know to this poll question by next Saturday uh, maybe Terry Henry will oh, uh, will get a new
2: job by then uh, I have a feeling we will have an answer either I uh, think so too. either uh, he will be there or they will uh, have a appointed a new manager I'm just I'm kind of I'm I, I'm I would be pretty surprised, let's say that, if he actually ended up being hired by AFC Bournemouth for a whole host of reasons that you can check out now on the podcast for uh, for Saturday Sports. With That's right.
0: Yeah. If you missed any part of the show, you want to listen to the entire show commercial free, uh, you can find it on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, wherever you get your podcasts, basically just search for Saturday Sports on TSN 690. Shout out to uh, John Still. Uh, for getting that up there in short order. Uh, Thanks a lot, buddy. We'll talk again next week. Cheers, bud. All right. Thanks to uh, Andrew Berkshire from the Montreal Gazette for joining us, Talking Habs. Uh, Thank you to Jeff Reinbold, who broke down the NFL picture for us. And uh, also thank you to Sofiane Benzaza, who talked CF Montreal and Thierry Henry with us as well. Uh, If you missed anything, like we mentioned, you can go to uh, Saturday Sports on TSN 690, wherever you download your podcast, and you can subscribe, leave a positive rating. I would definitely appreciate that. Enjoy the hockey game tonight. The Canadians are back. Coverage begins at 5 on TSN 690.